Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Tommy Bowles. And I'm your other way cooler host, Matt. And you are listening to the best show on the internet. Your home for entertainment, education, and best of all, honest music reviews. guys i'm glad that you are back i hope you enjoyed our cleverly done intro music the guy who performed on the intro music today his name is jeremy olja if you want to follow him and hear more from him check him out in the show notes i have links to his social media accounts there but this week you're listening to the flip side side a of childish gambino's newest album 31520 this album well i guess we should start talking about childish gambino before the album yeah he's been around a while yeah it's funny so my wife didn't know who childish gambino was she didn't recognize the name but then when i told her his real name she goes oh that guy Mm -hmm. yeah donald glover he's 36 years old which matt and i were just discussing that kind of surprised us a little bit just based off the the subject matter i would have thought he was a little younger Mm -hmm. he is really interesting i didn't realize he had such a long and uh I don't know what the right word is. A very full career to this point. Yeah, he's got he's been around. <laughs> yeah, and he's done some really crazy stuff. So he started out when he was 23 years old. So he's been doing this for like 13 years now as a writer for the sitcom 30 Rock. Mm-hmm. He wrote on The Simpsons and a few other things like that. And then he starred in the show Community. And currently he is starring in the show Atlanta. None of which I've actually watched, but good things I've heard of all of them. <laughs> yeah, I have not seen either one either. He did win two Emmys and two Golden Glove. Golden Glove. Golden Glove. Wow, we're not talking about baseball. That sounds like a like a Simpsons episode he would have written about when he won a Golden Globe. Right? Yeah, he won two Golden Globe awards for Atlanta, actually. And he won two uh, primetime Emmys for the show Atlanta as well. Well done, Mr. Glover. And I thought this was interesting, too. I did not know this about him. He was in Solo, A Star Wars Story. Yeah, he plays Lando. Yeah, I didn't realize that. He plays it really, really well, too. He's probably the best part of that movie. Sure, it's pretty, but he did a really good Billy D. Williams impression. <laughs> That's pretty high praise coming from Matt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially something about Star Wars. I do love me some Star Wars. <laughs> Actually, Matt wrote a whole blog post about it with the best uh, movie scores of all time, and like half the post was just about Star Wars. Yeah, I um, I mean, I did write a gigantic research paper about Star Wars and during my master's, so 
I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we actually released a podcast episode about Star Wars and that just about just Star Wars. And it was like 30 minutes just talking about that. That was mostly some tech issues, uh, but it ended up being okay because it took up an entire podcast worth. Yep. Yep. Yeah, we could talk a lot about that. Uh, He was in Spider-Man Far From Home. I did not know that. Uh, Granted, I haven't seen that movie, but I had no idea he was in it. I don't remember what he played in it. I didn't write that down. Maybe he was a voice actor. It's possible. Because I don't remember him in the marketing. I don't remember either. You'd think you'd put somebody like him, unless he just like cameoed in it or cameoed, however you say it. Cameoed. Cameoed, yeah. I always say that word wrong. Apparently, he was also in Magic Mike XXL. And he was in... <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what he did. I'm not that. surprised, but I wouldn't know. I yeah. haven't seen the first one. And then he was in The Martian. Don't remember that. I I think, actually, we saw that movie when we, we were at my parents' place for a weekend. We did, and I don't remember anything about it. I just remember he grew potatoes on Mars or something like that. <laughs> I remember that now that you mention it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> What a weird detail to remember. And then he also voiced Simba in the Lion King remake of 2019. Which, even though nobody likes it, is, uh, hey, at at least uh, the movie about African cast and African-American this time. (laughs) All right. I don't remember if the original actually did for adult Simba. I don't don't know about that. I just know the kid was the kid from Home Improvement, whatever his I name is. did not know that. You'll never be able to not hear it if you watched a lot of Home Improvement when you were a kid. I, I didn't, but once I put the two together, it was like, oh, oh, all right, I hear it now. <laughs> I did not watch a lot of Home Improvement, but I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize he had such a big film career, to be honest with you. Um, He, like, just released his own or i don't remember his involvement but it's in conjunction with this album sort of or at least one of the songs on it mm. it's on amazon prime i cannot remember what it's called and i don't see it in our notes so that's okay but um i don't i don't know if it did very well i don't i think he might have directed it that could be wrong i just know he was heavily involved with his own project yeah, so, I yeah, don't know. Up. It's also it's interesting to me that he has done more in film than he has done in music. I did not expect that. Yeah, I mean, especially with once you listen to the music and not just this is my favorite album from him. I've been listening to to others, um, but still. It's just so infrequent when he actually releases an album. I guess it's because he puts a lot of hard work into it, and I can respect that. I just look forward to any and all music coming from him because he's always been really talented. It's just this is the the top that I've heard. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I He released an album in 2011 called Camp. And then the second album was in 2013 called uh, Because the Internet. Because the Internet. Why? I didn't listen to it. I didn't do any research about it. But it sounds like he has a history of doing this sort of album. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then 2016, 
was the album Awake My Love. I think that's the one that has Red Bone on it. That's his biggest yeah, song. I'm pretty sure. Then in 2019, he released a song, This Is America. Heck which, yeah. That's a really good song. It actually won four Grammys, just that song. It better have all the yeah. Grammys. Yeah, four Grammys. Then this album released... Okay, so it's called 31520. So you would think that it released on 31520. But the official release was actually 322, a week later. Yeah, I... I remember seeing an explanation for that, something to do with it going to uh, his personal supporters or something like that. It was sort very of. close with his um, fan base and in live performances and things like that. Stuff that I don't know because, well, I don't live in places where people like this perform. So <laughs> I wouldn't know that those sorts of details. We just know that the uh, the three fifteen twenty you take with a grain of salt, that's around the time it came out. Ironically, that's also around the time that uh, things started get going bad with, uh, you know, all the, the quarantine and such, which um, as much as that would not have been planned, it would be kind of creepy. This album and its content is very appropriate for our current societal situation. <laughs> Maybe we should start a conspiracy theory. It's very well timed. Let's just say that, I mean, sure, this would be well-timed for pretty much any point in the past few years, but still, it couldn't have dropped at a better time for the things that we're all talking about and thinking about and all of this. It's very interesting, and it's made things very... This has been an enlightening isolation, and this (laughs) album has helped. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It the timing was really funnily funnily good funny funny ironically good. Do the words are they so good? Words are hard. <laughs> <laughs> so we started a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we thought you guys would love to hear us just fumble over ourselves and not be able to talk right. We talk that so goodly. Yeah, words words work. They leave mouth into microphone. <laughs> <laughs> So the story of how this album was actually released, it was posted on his on his website, DonaldGloverPresents.com, and on the on three fifteen, and it stayed there for twelve hours and then was taken down, and it was on a continuous loop just playing on his website. Mm. And when it came down, people were like, "What the heck?" They didn't know if it was going to come back or not, because he never announced that he was releasing an album. He just posted it and then took it down. Uh, but one week later, he actually released it on March 22nd. So it has been affectionately called Donald Glover Presents instead of 31520. Which I did see from, you know, various spots on the internet that it's assumed that he's trying to distance himself a little bit from the alter ego Childish Gambino and mm-hmm. kind of make it more he's Donald Glover. That yeah. The Charles Gambino thing. Uh, if you, we didn't actually mention it. That came from a name generator. Oh, it really? It means nothing. Uh, I, I think it was like a DJ Khaled name generator. It was some random rapper, then name generator. Um, and hmm. so it came from nothing. It doesn't really mean anything. It does sound really cool. Like I wouldn't want to get rid of that name. 
but it really doesn't actually have any true connection to what he's doing and his views or anything like that. It's just a conveniently cool sounding name for a, he's not really a rapper at this point, honestly, he used to be, but now he's just a full blown musician in my eyes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is kind of a, um, apparently he's trying to distance a little bit from that being a different person. Well, I believe it was 2017. I might be off on my time a little bit. But he did an interview where he said that his next album was going to be the last Gambino album. Hmm. And people didn't know if that was him saying the last under that name or the last album he was going to release. I can't imagine it's the last album he's going to release. He's too good at it. Yeah. But it makes sense, though, posting it on DonaldGloverPresents.com that he could just be going away from the childish Gambino moniker i guess it would make sense if it's supposed to be a character that you might just Mm -hmm. be feeling that you just want to be you kind of a thing which there is a lot of that in this album so it makes sense it's just it's such a cool name i wouldn't want to lose it that's just me (laughs) yeah i i mean if he wants to just be donald glover and release music under that name fine i will listen to it for the rest of my days and it's going to be the same style of music probably but dude it's a cool name (laughs) (laughs) well maybe it has something to do with his age now because that would have been almost 10 years ago now so he would have been like 26 27 when he did that name originally which is how old i am so i guess there we go that's why i think it's cool 10 years i'll probably look back and be like charles gambino what a stupid name so the moral of the story is that Matt is an immature child. Probably. <laughs> I mean, we did, we knew this to be true, that if they could see my studio, they would agree with you. Good thing this isn't a video podcast. Yeah, right. People might agree. I don't There's know. There's a pile of Pokemon plushies staring at me. I mean, I have pillows propped on my desk leaning up against the wall because I don't have any sound dampening on my walls yet. Oh, that's clever. So I guess it's a good thing that we're not doing a video podcast after all plus then we'd have to do things like buy cameras and that crap's expensive i won't mention my fancy pants uh webcam that's staring at me but <laughs> let us continue <laughs> so this album got really good reviews way better than camila cabello's album sorry right, it makes sense i i agree from metacritic which gave cabello's album a 71 it gave him a composite score of 83. Which, in my opinion, is a bit of a crime, but fine. Well, it's still really good. It's a composite score from 15 different reviewers. Yeah, so that's pretty doggone good. Yeah. So, yeah, 83 out of ten out of 100 on there. There was another one that gave him uh, another composite grade that gave him a 7.9 out of 10. Which makes sense. The biggest complaints that I saw were complaining that it sounded too much like his previous albums. I can understand that after listening Mm -hmm. to them. Um, That being said, I would say this album is a... It enhances that funk hip-hop fusion that he's made. And so I think that's a little... 
just from someone that likes to be critical, I would kick them in the butt for saying that just because it's like, well, of course it sounds kind of like what he's done before. He's made something unique and he's expanding upon it. Bach mm-hmm. sounded the same for most of his career. Could you calm down for a moment? <laughs> yeah, the complaints that I saw were not necessarily talking about the sound, but mostly about the lyrics. Apparently. Why? Well, what? so, and I can kind of see this because I kind of thought the same thing. The beginning is really good and the end is really good. I didn't care for the middle as much. And the songs that they complained about were in the middle of the album. There's like maybe a... I don't know. We'll have to see. I mean, there's one song that you don't really understand much of the lyrics at all. Yeah, because they're played backwards. (laughs) Oh, well, that one isn't a song. That's the end (laughs) of a song. How much did you listen to this? That's a transfer part. (laughs) There's also a part where he's breathing into the microphone. No one understood those. Yeah, I, that made me uncomfortable. But we'll talk. I about knew that. it would. I knew it would. I'm just like, why is this here? Like, he has such a great album, and then you throw that in there. I'm like, this is so pointless. <laughs> There's so many different transfers between songs. You really do have to listen to this album basically straight through. Otherwise, it uh, oh, has yeah. those weird transfer moments, and I'm assuming that the singles from the album remove the uh the little transfer parts of the tracks because this they, is a album album it yeah. is not a uh singles album right which i have some good uh i have some good points about that that you'll want to hear in the next episode cool so listen next week come uh, back come see us Support. <laughs> so pretty much every review i saw except for those couple were really good of this album yeah i saw one that i thought was really interesting he was drawing trying to draw parallels between the themes of the album and the musical content of the album as far as like the chord choice and that sort of thing and i thought it was really interesting Hmm. because what he, he was trying to say so like the whole theme of this album to me is like a political protest song he's pointing out ideals or things that are the way they are and talking about how he thinks they should be. Uh, That's how I interpreted most of it. And if you look at it that way, what this reviewer was saying makes a lot of sense because he's pushing things that aren't socially normal as far as his lyrical choice. Mm -hmm. And his musical choices are not normal either. Like the sound effects, the chord progressions are not normal uh, as far as for modern pop. Yeah, it's very it's very well thought out and the right. harmonies and the textures and all of that. That there's a lot of intentionality in this music and mm-hmm. uh carefully chosen um sound layers. So it's impressive that something that could definitely be considered pop would go to these lengths to uh be as creative as it is in its moment to moment cuz even it's poppiest song the uh the well it might be a single i'm assuming it is because of ariana grande but there's a song with ariana grande on it and that's the quote-unquote poppiest song and even then that's pushing it because of how experimental it still sounds um so yeah (laughs) yeah i can see that the i actually felt matt and you can chime in here and let me know if you can see this. 
it reminded me of the avant-garde period of jazz. I can understand that, especially in uh, certain interludes. moments of the album. And I would I would also agree with it just because, like I just said, there's a lot of layers of sound. Um, we've talked about it in podcast past, if we haven't, shame on me, that Coltrane's method is called sheets of sound. Mm-hmm. So not just in his uh, composing, but his own playing. The way that he soloed is is referred to as sheets of sound. So when he's going at light speed with all these harsh tones and traveling in and out of these uh, chordal substitutions and these harmonic, uh, just complete out of nowhere, but perfectly fits because he was ingenious, that all starts to come at you with these just levels on high and lows of all these different ideas at once from one horn. And that kind of translates over to that avant-garde, like, what the heck is anyone actually doing? Sounds of uh, Ascension and Love Supreme and all of that. Love Supreme is what it reminded me of. Yeah. And I think that that, even though that this is a, a little, a little more conventional, obviously, it's not Mm -hmm. to that harshness. There is a lot of, um, we're going to take sounds that you didn't imagine going together make them work sometimes manhandle them to work but they're going to work and you're gonna like it (laughs) and um even the 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 weaker songs i keep making a little quote-unquote signs we're not a video i i've been uh teaching video lessons a little too long now now i'm uh using my hands too much but anyway the uh the songs on here that are weaker I love all of them, but the the weakest of the bunch, I suppose, even those will use very interesting ideas for putting together a, uh, a soundscape and different grooves that just don't sound like your typical drummer sits down and plays a, a, a kit. A lot of this does remind me of the Gorillas, especially recently, and what they've been doing where they're just they just seem to be pushing the envelope of what can sound together Mm -hmm. instead of just have a guitar and a piano and a bass and a singer drummer go Um, right or these days have a drum machine with a uh a guitarist made of cardboard (laughs) cardboard and an auto-tune microphone with uh, a gigantic speaker that goes doom, doom, doom in intermittent in- intervals <laughs> up until the time. I- I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> well, going back on the Coltrane thing, the John Coltrane part, I also thought besides just the soundscapes that he used, but even the harmonic choices, mm-hmm. it was very dense harmony for, uh, for modern pop. Very. Which I personally really liked. It's ingenious. Now, Matt, one thing about... So, if you guys remember, our last album we reviewed, uh, Romance, one of our complaints about it was that it sounded like there were too many cooks in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty obvious to tell. This one does not sound like that at all. And the reason is because there's only nine producers on this album, not 24. And I'd forgotten that number. Yeah. Oh. That 24. just makes a sinking feeling in me mm-hmm. of how many. Oh, wow. So this was nine producers. Uh, 
interestingly enough, so Donald Glover, or Glover, I don't know why I keep saying Glover, Glover, he uh, produced all of the tracks except for track number eight, 3531. So he produced all of them except for that one track. And then the second secondary producer on there, DJ Dahi, he was on almost every track as well. He was not on track one, nine, or ten. Hmm. But it makes sense that it sounds so cohesive all the way through because you don't have too many cooks in the kitchen. It's actually interesting. Uh, the R&B song that's in there that has really, really good bass playing, the bass player on that is one of the producers on the album. Hmm. Basically, if you were listed as a producer, you played an instrument on the album is what it looked like. Like the people playing keys were also producers. So, I mean, that's oh. how a lot of modern music is made now. Yeah, but in this album's case, that's a little more impressive because anything that's played on here is not very conventional at all. I'm probably going to use that word too much because it, it works well in this case, but right. there's just so much on this album that sounds different and unique and new. So I'm a little more impressed in that case that it's not just all one dude and that there's just that many producers that are this clever in what they're doing. <laughs> um, so I don't know this so to special. be... Yeah, well, the, the bass player producer has worked with him on his previous albums. Makes sense. Um, now, I, I don't know this to be fact, so don't quote me on this, but the way I imagine it happened, based off what I know about the way pop music is often created, is that I would imagine that Glover had these ideas for these songs, and he had the lyrics written out, and he had an idea in his mind of what he kind of wanted it to sound like, where he wanted to go with this album, and that he sat down with these different different producers, musicians, uh, DJ Dahi and whatever, and that they sat down and just threw different sounds at each other until they came up with the structure of the song. That's mm-hmm. how I would imagine it happened, and that would make sense then if your keyboardist was a producer, because if you guys sat in a room and you're throwing ideas at each other until you found one that you liked, that makes sense to me. This definitely has that sound to it of very carefully chosen mm-hmm. uh, specific voices for every little thing in yeah. it. And not that it's, it doesn't come off calculated and robotic. In fact, it's the opposite. Like this is overwhelmingly filled with soul mm-hmm. and a lot of heart and love was put into every single stinking moment. And that's not just bias. Like the reason I love this album so much is how moved I was listening to it the first time. And I've listened to this album way more times than I can count. I listen to it on runs, which I don't do at all. I have a running playlist and this sometimes overrides it. And I still don't skip tracks. That really doesn't happen ever. Hmm. Usually there'll be at least one. Like like Now on my runs, I think there's like one track that I skip because it's just a little bit too slow and I'm trying to get better at running. But um, for the most part, it just, it's such a jam all the way through. Yeah. Sure, it dips a little in the middle compared to the front end and the back end, but hey. It's still really strong. There's something special in every track. They they really knew what they were doing. And I think uh, I remember seeing that they worked on this album for... Um, 
it's been two years, I believe. It was multiple years. Yeah. Um, now what I don't know about that. So I was trying to find information about that and it wasn't very clear. So I think that they might've said that because some of the songs that were on this album were released in 2018. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So I think that's where they got that number from because I couldn't find anything about it. Like Camila Yeah, Cabello's it has album. like a couple of singles that have uh, that have dropped along the way. Um, right. So that that makes sense to say. Well, we've been working on it since then. There's music on it since then. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like Cabello's album where I could find. Oh, they worked on it for eleven months and they recorded it in eight different studios. I couldn't find any of that information. Yeah. From what I could tell, this has been a a long incoming project that it was carefully crafted. And even with the singles that are on here, they fit. They Mm -hmm. really do. They they all create a very uh, sensible message across the board. Um, I was thinking about, like, if you go track to track, you could probably write a sentence as if this album was a, a... a fairly short little letter from Charles Gambino and it would make sense. Like if you just lined it all up and used a bit of grammar skills, there you go. It would all just be very sensible and it's saying the same uh, concept in the way that uh, Camilla Cabello meant to on a concept album. And, Mm -hmm. and yet this still invites so many different styles, so many different um, topics to cover with all a very similar message of uh, um, mostly that society sucks. Can't we love each other? <laughs> yeah. Um, other, including the earth. Cause there's a couple of, uh, of green songs on here. Yeah. Uh, Matt, do you know where it hit on the billboard top 200? Not high enough. Wherever no. it hit, it wasn't high enough. No, it peaked at number 13. Which, obviously, yeah. 13 is still really good. Yeah, I mean, for how otherworldly this is, I am pleasantly surprised. It should be higher. I would mm-hmm. have probably even guessed higher, had a little more faith in humanity. But when you think about it, I get it. Like... Well, I think I have an idea of why it peaked where it did. Hmm. Because I thought it'd be higher too. But if you if you take each song and you played each song on the radio, none of them would be good songs on the radio. No. So you'd have to shorten every song and you would have to I mean you have to shorten them and re-release them as singles for them to go on the radio. And if mm-hmm. they went as singles on the radio, they're not going to be sold as part of the album, then the album's not going to go as high. So I think that's why, because none of these were good radio songs. Not that they weren't good songs, but radio has to be different. It's got to be a little shorter than what these were. have to have a clear beginning and clear ending, not like I'm going to stop singing at the four-minute mark, but the song ends like four minutes later, you know? Right. Even the uh, the song that has Ariana Grande on it, mm-hmm. that one has a long back end. Right, exactly. Way after she stopped singing and he stopped singing. It is a fantastic song, um, Mm -hmm. as with most of these songs. But that one would probably be the most radio-friendly, even with the big back end. Um, Just because at least it 
I think it does transfer over to the next track. Most of these do, so it wouldn't be cutting out as much, I suppose. I, I've i listened to this straight through so many times that I'm a little iffy on what's an outro and what's an intro to what. I just know what happens <laughs> along the way. Um, so, yeah, if there was one that would be a, a radio single, I assume that would be the one. Just because Ariana Grande, right. it's a bit more poppy. You can understand all the words. It's catchy. Uh, all that stuff. Yeah, and even though radio isn't what it used to be, it still makes a big difference. Yeah, and I mean, radio can include like Spotify and all the streamings. Yeah, stuff, and it also uh, YouTube video, blah 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 blah. Right, or like at the mall. Obviously, mm-hmm. it wouldn't play there now. Not that anybody's going to the mall since this has been released, but... <laughs> oh, that's true. You get the concept. <laughs> They're not going to rush a single out when no one's going to hear it. Yeah, that was real great timing, right? <laughs> that would be not a smart decision. But then again, people are at home, so they have time to listen to stuff. So, all right. Well, that concludes the background of this album. If you want to hear us break it down song by song, tune in next week for Side B. We'll see you guys next week. See you, everyone.